All right, we're going to go ahead and get started with um, prayer and then go into our recap and then our teaching for today. Uh, So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We give your name praise. Lord, we give your name honor. We give your name glory. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for um, just um, what we're feeling even in the atmosphere, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We thank you for um, the rumbling. We thank you for the shaking, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that shall go forth. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for um, the unique transformation enterprise and a shepherd's love discipleship center, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for continuing, Lord God, to give us, oh God, wisdom and strength and understanding and knowledge, Lord God, as we grow and um, uh, surge into, Lord God, new faiths, new realms, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for the ability, Lord God, to um, discern the season and the times, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and that we are uh, literally living under an open heaven, God. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we don't have to be afraid, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We don't have to, Lord God, hallelujah, be uh, uh, scared, Lord God, of what you have for our future, Lord God, for the unknown, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for we thrust forward into it in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We leap, God. Hallelujah. We leap in the name of Jesus, Lord God, in this next seasons, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We thank you for the stretching. We thank you for the growth. We thank you for, Lord God, even, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, um, expanding our capacity, Lord God, not just expanding our capacity, Lord God, to deliver, Lord God, but expanding our capacity, Lord God, to be able to deal, Lord God, hallelujah, with some of our inner, most uh, in-depth emotions, thoughts, feelings in the name of Jesus. Lord God. And so, Lord, I thank you now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for how, Lord God, you're going to uh, encounter us in this room today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of peace. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit, Lord God, in the name of Jesus that will flow like never before in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I thank you, Father, Lord, for even, Lord God, resurrecting, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, some hidden treasures, Lord God, that we, that we've buried, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, because some circumstances and situations in the name of Jesus, Lord God, may you pull those treasures up in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, as you reveal even more of those hidden treasures in the name of Jesus, Lord God, give us, Lord God, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, the yes, Lord God, that we need, uh, to thresh forward in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, this encounter. We thank you for this moment, and we thank you for this experience. It is Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'm going to turn it over to my wife for a quick recap and then introduction of our speaker today. All right. So we are doing... um quick recap over family dynamics. And so um, to start out in March, we did the intro of family, what is family? And we kind of went through to realize that family is an institutional, um, it's an institution part of society and um, basically how the family is responsible for the growth of society and how it's to grow and train and to do the things that we want school and the government to do, but actually it's the family that's supposed to be doing it. Um, In April, we talked about the husband role, 
how the husband is or the man, if you're not married, um, how the man is responsible for binding, pulling in, pulling together the family. Um, that is uh, the husband or the man role. And then we uh, in May, we talked about the wife role, how it is the wife role or the woman role to build up the um, the family structure. So um, it is very important. I did have a visual for that. Um, I had a picture where if the husband, I go back to the husband, if the husband was absent or the man is absent in the family, there was a big old hole in the picture because it was the man or the husband role to pull in or bind the family together. And then we had the one where the wife or the woman, if she wasn't in her proper place or doing what she's supposed to do, the outside of the picture was missing because it is the wife or the woman role to build up the family. And then we, in June, we talked about children. And so even in that picture with children, God was showing how there were missing holes in the picture because children are responsible in the family. They have a, a responsibility, even though they're a blessing to us, but they have a responsibility to reproduce the glory of God in the family. So whatever we pour into them, it is their job to reproduce it. So they have a vital position. So we cannot ne neglect children in the family. You know, a lot of people want to push them to the side, but we have to keep them in the forefront. They are very vital. And so in July, um, which was last month, we talked about single parenting after divorce, after divorce. And we found that even though after divorce, there's still a major call on your life. Through scripture and through revelation, we found there was still a major call on your life that doesn't stop you from doing what God called you to do. It doesn't stop you from building up your family, pouring into your family, and also pouring into yourself. And so we found that out there after divorce, there's still more. It doesn't stop at all. And so here we are in August, we're going to talk about single dad. And I think that is vital because a lot of we have a lot of absent fathers in society and why is that and i think we're going to get into that today the reason why the enemy is upset <laughs> because we have a lot of absent father that is not pouring into their children as well pouring into who they created their child with because it goes both ways right and so we're going to be hearing about that today from no other than Brandon Shannon. I was going to give him a title, but I probably would have got rebuke. So I stay obedient. So from our brother, Brandon Shannon, uh, I think my husband's going to introduce him officially. And then after my husband's introduction, then we will hear from no other than Brandon Shannon. Amen. So thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so today we have... Um, the sent one, we'll just say that, <laughs> the sent one <laughs> to teach us today um, on uh, single dad and single fathering. And um, I think he's going to be sharing, you know, some really um, transparent moments. And so we just want to even take a moment to just pray over him right now um, that he be used of God and that he don't hold back and that he allowed the Lord and Holy Spirit to have his way today. So, Father, we thank you for Brandon. We thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for the call on his life. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for calling him for such a time as this, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, to speak about 
um, fatherhood as a single father in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and how, Lord God, no matter what happens in our life and how we go through life and processes through life, Jesus, that you still have a call on our life and you still have called us to be what we want to talk about today as father. And so give him strength, wisdom and courage, God, in Jesus name. Amen. At this time, receive the sent one. Brandon Shannon. Brandon is fine. Brandon is always perfectly fine. But um, uh, thank you uh, for allowing me to be here and talk about um, kind of my story and my situation. So, but I'm also going to give some key practical things uh, because I think even before you get into uh, parenting um, a child, basically, quote unquote, out of wedlock, there's still some things that need to be done to make sure that that uh, platform is available and it's open. Um, so a little bit about my story uh, or my situation. Um, you know, I had my my son or my son's mom. So she was pregnant at 30 years. I was at 30 years old, um, which is interesting because I'm like, man, how did I get to 30 and now make a mistake? You know what I'm saying? Like I had all these years to make this mistake. And here I am 30 when I'm supposed to be mature, um, if you will. And then I have a baby and I'm not married and I'm not in a loving relationship. So um, that's kind of the first point. Um, so that can add a lot of different things, especially, um, when you feel like you don't, you didn't have the necessary tools to be a great father because of what you lacked. Right. Um, so I'll hit on that as well too, because I want to hit on some uh, other things first. Um, so, so, so doing that, you know, and dealing with someone else again, that you're not in a relationship with can be very, very challenging. It can be very, very challenging. Um, if you will, because, Again, they have their perspectives. You have your perspectives. You're not in covenant, so you're not bound by, you know, when you're in covenant and you're your husband and wife, you can go to the word or you can go to certain things because you're in covenant to say, okay, this is how we're going to parent the child. If we're in the same household, this is the household's rules, right? But if you're not in a situation, then you're out of out, quote unquote covenant, even though you had a baby together. Um, then there could be rules at this house. There could be rules over here. There could be this perspective. There could be that perspective. Um, so all of those things have to be taken into account. Um, and that's why I want to start here, especially as a man, you know, um, having a baby out of wedlock, there's a lot of things that you have to do first before you could even get into the aspect of I'm going to try to parent. Um, and so when you when you even look at these structures, there's so many different structures of having a baby out of wedlock. It's funny. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, and she was tired of waiting for um, the right man to come along, if you will. And she decided to have to be artificially inseminated. So she went to the sperm bank, got sperm and she got pregnant, had a nice little light skinned baby because she chose white sperm, which is hey, it's her decision. But so so this is an aspect of a single mother having a child and this child is not going to have his father. Right. So these are certain things that we're definitely dealing with in the world. Then you have other structures where uh, I've seen where the co-parenting relationship is very, very good. You know, the mother and the father definitely agree. They didn't need courts. They didn't need uh, any other outside entities to help facilitate the relationship. Uh, and of course, we have bad relationships where there's deadbeat fathers. We all hear about deadbeat fathers. But to be honest, there are deadbeat mothers as well, too, um, in these situations. So um, there's a lot of thing and a lot of different factors at play. I mean, we can talk about um, after uh, I give the, my, what I want to give. We can talk about all the different factors at play um, because there's so many different factors. You know, you talk about the enemy. Um, you can talk about statistics of, of, of why they want fathers out the house. Um, because statistics will show that uh, 
a single father actually will raise a more healthy child than a single mother. That's the data. It's not brain. It's it's the data. Um, So one of the first things I had to do, um, I had to challenge my perspective. Right. Uh, And so for single fathers as well, too, this this is the questions I want to ask. I want to I want to ask these key questions. Um, then I'll give examples in my my perspective, my story, and then I have an exercise as well because at UTE we want to make sure we have practical examples for your for your edification. So I want to make sure I'm honest and respectful to uh, who I am presenting for. Um, so the first question for single fathers is: What is your perspective of the situation? Is it positive or negative? Are you always complaining about the other parent? How do you address that other parent when you think about other, that other parent? How do you feel? Right? And this can be for the mothers as well, too. Um, so, so for me, when I, when, I, when I was told I was having a baby, um, I had a very negative, very, very negative perspective of this. It was very, very negative. Um, I complained about my son's mom all the time. And I, say, I can say son's mom now, but before, before I assess my perspectives, she's my baby's mama. Right. And when you look at baby mama, that's a very negative term. That's a very negative term. What do you mean by that? You can even go in the Bible and find some negative term. Right. So we all know the story about Abram and his situation before he had Isaac. Right. He had Ishmael first. Right. And there was drama in the household. Right. Basically, he had baby mama drama. and He had his wife drama. There was baby mama drama there, but he had to send her away. So there is kind of a precedent in our biblical text that kind of gives this. Uh, give some credence, give some information, um, but I'm going to keep it strictly. I'm not going to go too uh, biblical on that, right? So, f- so for me, I had a, I had a negative con- uh, connotation of this. Why did I have that? Well, first, um, because again, I put a lot of pressure on myself. It's like, dude, how how do you how do you have a baby at 30? Um, and then also throughout the process, when we're going through the situation, uh, my son's mom, in my opinion, what I felt at the time, because I'm going to talk about forgiveness later on. Um, so I'm talking about I'm talking about the perspective before I got to forgiveness. OK, so you're going to have to walk through this with me um, to see how do you how do we get to the places we need to get to. Right. Uh, so there was some situations and this is me talking about my situations. But this is I want to frame it. This is no indication on my son's mom's ability to be my son's mom because she's phenomenal to my son's mom. So I'm going to put that out there. All right. But I need to be honest to the presentation I'm giving. Um, there were some things I, I, I thought she did that that hurt me tremendously. Right. It hurt me to the core. And I was upset, too, because I felt like she was the only one besides my mom. So mom issues came in that was that had the ability to hurt me that way. Right. And she did some things that hurt me to the core, to the point where I got to the understanding or the perspective of, of why I, I, I understood why men walk away. I, I, I understood because she drove me to that point. So when I hear about Debbie fathers, I always I have I have a different perspective because I, I understand like, yo, I just pay child support. and I ain't got to deal with this mess because you crazy. Right. Um, so the, these are my perspectives of the situation. It was very, very negative. Right. Um, and also it was the insecurities I had that was causing me to have negative perspectives. So, men, you have to check your insecurities at the door. Um, you have to address them. You have to face them. Part of my insecurities was because of what I didn't have. Right. So I was so focused on what I didn't have. It didn't allow me to see the situation positive. It didn't allow me to see the situation um, 
the way it needed to be seen because I was so focused on myself as, as well, right? So this is causing me to have a negative perspective. This is causing me to see my son's mom as the enemy. This is causing me to see her as a baby mama. And if with this improper perspective, it was causing me to have resentment of my son. That's real. I mean, I, we got to be real with this, right? I was resenting this little baby who didn't ask to be in this world, who looks, they say, who looks just like me, who has my mannerisms from birth. It was causing me to resent this little baby right here. Okay. Um, so if I was counseling someone in a situation now, and we, we were at this point, the exercise I was telling them to go through is make a list of the negative thoughts concerning the situation. You got to make that full list. I mean, you got to you got to be honest with that thing, too. You got to make that full list of all the negative thoughts and negative context concerning a situation. You have to make a list of all your insecurities as well. You have to make a list of all the perceived things you think you don't have. Right. And then what I, what I had to do, um, which was very, very late, I wish it was earlier. I had to begin to make those negative thoughts, not necessarily positive, but I had to make them neutral. Like if you can get to make them neutral, I think sometimes we we tell people to make them positive, but they may not even be able to make it positive. But can you make it neutral? Like, can you make it neutral? So like with my baby mom, I had to say, you know, this is the woman who brought my son into the earth. I had to just make it neutral. Let me think about her from a neutral place, because now what you're saying is my thoughts don't have control over me. My perspectives don't have control over me because the perspective and the thoughts that I had was causing me to live from that place. I would sometimes create these grand worlds where she was the enemy. And, you know, I was thinking about her from that negative place. And I had these worlds that I often lived in. I lived in these worlds often to the point where when I looked at her, it was causing me physical issues where I even thought about harming her from a perspective. Right. All from a negative point and all from my insecurities. So when you think about it, you have these negative thoughts, you have your insecurities, they begin to play together and you don't even know it. You got your insecurities, these negative thoughts and your, your fear and all these things, they begin to create worlds for you and you to spend all day and let somebody even remotely say something similar to your baby mom. It now adds on to other, another world. Another world gets bigger and bigger and bigger till you get lost in that thing. Right. Um, so you have to begin to at least take these negative thoughts to begin to be neutral. All right. And make them neutral. And then make it a point. That when you have these negative thoughts or these negative insecurities, that you go back to that list and begin to say, I'm not going to live there no more. I'm going to live from this at least neutral place. She's not my baby mother. She is the woman that had my child. I go from um, this is terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm inadequate to, to there's resources available for me to be adequate. Right. So you got to begin to think of it from a positive place. OK, so that's the first thing. Um, men who are in the situation, you have to assess your perspectives. You have to you have to assess your insecurities. You have to be honest with them. Right. And when we get to the point of talking about forgiveness, if you and definitely if you are a believer, then that's when you have to you have to invite the Holy Spirit in 
And you have to be okay with where he takes you to even get to a positive perspective. And I'll, I'll caveat on that. The Holy Spirit had to take me through issues that I was having with my uh, unpresent father. Right. So my stepfather wasn't there. My, my father wasn't there, but my stepfather was. And he was very hard on me. And I used to complain about that. And my, I remember the Holy Spirit in the car with my son's mom told me she was pregnant. Literally, I couldn't get out of the car. I couldn't understand why. I got home about, I want to say about 10 o'clock. I sat in the car. It was about it was about one o'clock in the morning. I finally got, got that car. And I was wondering why I couldn't move. I, I literally could not move. And I heard the Holy Spirit. I was like, yep. I ain't got time for that today. Couldn't move, though. And then he said to me, he says, if you don't forgive your real father and your stepfather, you're going to repeat the cycle. He told me that at 1030. I didn't get out the car until 1 a.m. You hear me? So I so so fathers who are listening to this, don't this is not coming. This 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 thought I have is not coming from an easy place. It's coming from a place that I've wrestled with. It's coming from a place I've warred with. It's coming from a place that I've sat in a car for four hours with um, and that I, I still I still have to go through these perspectives and deal with them. So my list, I still go back to often because sometimes it comes up. My son's mom makes me mad. I have to go back to this list. OK, remember, we said we're going to look at this from a neutral place. And now I even found positive things. So I go back and write those positive things. So I have a list. It's negative, neutral, and then positive. And once I find the positive, I begin to address the positive to let me know that there is growth. Right. Sometimes you have to document the things to be able to say there's growth. Right. So when you make these lists, I'm not saying do it for happenstance. It's actually for you. Because I think as men, we, we not I think I know as men, we need the markers to be able to tell us that we have growth. Right. You know, uh, even from a young boy, like I'm glad of my son's life because I'm showing him the markers of growth. Right. Uh, women, you have very clear markers. You, you, you begin to develop. You have periods. Womanhood has began, begun. Right. So same thing as men. We need these markers to let us know that we're having growth. And, you know, once I began to find the positive, it actually encouraged me as well to begin to look for more positives because it, I started to notice how it made me feel. Right. So once your perspectives change, your feelings tied to those should change as well, which will allow you to have a better being as well to allow you to be a better father. Because now you can you can uh, truly say I am parenting my child from a better place, from a positive place. OK, so that's perspectives. Uh, anybody got any questions on perspectives? I'll take questions. You can interrupt anytime you want. Please interrupt. If you're not, then we'll just keep going. All right. Cool. The next, the next part in the situation is um, assessing your child's needs, right? Or basically, it's not about you, bro. It's not. It's not, it's not about you. So, some questions you have to ask yourself is. What is the best interest for my child? And is the decisions that I'm making, how will it impact him? And we'll get into the exercise because part of the exercise that I think that I know you should be able to do is at at your child's state, because this, this is this is ongoing. You should write down the top 10 things your child needs at that point in time. Right. Write them down, because, again, we, we like to think we know, but. Once you see again, once you see it on paper, you actually have a accurate record of what your child needs. So, like, for example, at right at this point in time, I know that my son needs he needs me more in his life now because he's a preteen. 
right? He's starting to smell himself. I smell him. So his, he's about to start hitting puberty. So he needs a better man's perspective, right? He needs discipline in his life right now, right? So he needs all of these things and these things have to be listed. Now, these things are very different from when he was born because I had a list of things that he needed from me when he was born. And so based on this list, and when I make key decisions in my life, I need to look at this list to see. And if you need to, you write them down, positive or negative. When you make these key decisions in your life, you need to know how is it going to impact that child. Right. This list also prevents a lot of arguments that may come up, because if an argument arises based on some of the things you're doing or some of the things that she's doing, this list will be able to say, OK, I know we're having an argument. But how does this impact my child's life and what he needs at this point in time? OK, the next question you should ask yourself is how often do you make decisions in the best interest of your child? This is real because I know when my son's mom and I was arguing, sometimes I wouldn't make decisions that was in the best interest. I was making decisions to inflict hurt the same measure she was inflicting upon me. What do you mean by that? Some days when I know it was my time to pick my son up, guess what I would do? I would be late or I wouldn't show up at all. Who was that really impacting? It's impacting my son. If I was honest to the list, I know my son needs his daddy. So if I'm making this decision and because I'm trying to hurt her, what should what should offset that decision or change my decision is the impact on my child. Right. Then what, what was the last decision that you made that was in the best interest of your child? OK, so recently here uh, needing to go out of town. She's like, well, my mom can keep it in my list. I know my son needs more time with me. You know what? I'll make the changes. I got it. Your mom don't have to keep them. I'll make arrangements in my schedule to accomplish what I wrote down as what my child needed at that moment. Right. If you're unable to do this without getting a set up upset, you may need someone in your life to check you. Right. You may need to share that list. You may need a confidant, a brother, a friend, a pastor that will keep you honest to that to that list. If you're still having these issues, that's when you may need someone to check you on that on, on that. Right. So the exercise for for um, the men right now is to write down the top 10 things that your child needs in this point in his life at this point in his life. Once you do that, when you're getting ready to make a key decision, consult the list and, and do it when you're in a very positive place. Because when I say consult the list, this will be wise counsel. Right. This was counsel that came from you when you're in a positive situation. So especially when you're in an argument or especially when you're upset or especially when you're mad at her, especially when you're mad at the situation, especially when you're mad at your job. Consult the list to make sure you're making decisions based on wise counsel from yourself. And then ask yourself, will my will my child's needs be impacted based on this decision? Right. So we have to try to put our best. Uh, we have to try to uh, our best to put our feelings aside to help nurture the relationship with our own with our with our child. We have to realize the child needs both parents, male and female, when it's possible. Right. And so me, any any time that I can get more time with my child, guess what? I'm gobbling that up. I'm, I'm gobbling that up. Like, example, this year, because we're in a better place, 
this was the first year where she was really, really open to the idea. I said, hey, my son needs more time. She said, I agree. Your child needs more time. And it's like, OK, well, I'm going to change my schedule with my 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 work. I already talked to my boss that I want to work home from home every other week to where now I can have him every other week. So we have agreed to that. Right. So um, this was in the best interest of our child. And she agreed. OK, so that's that part. Any questions on um, your child's needs? All right. The next part is forgiveness. Did the other parent do anything to hurt you? Is that impacting your relationship with your child? How do you feel about yourself? Are you able to pray sincerely about the situation? Okay. Now this was this was the toughest part for me. Um, forgiveness, forgiving her was was really was really really tough. Um, it, it was really really tough. Um, to the point where uh, my son was sensitive. I remember. I remember when we we used to come. I used to come pick him up. My son would run, run to me and would, like pull me towards her, and I would reject. Like, no, bro, what are you doing? This this is not about to happen. Like, I don't I don't like your mom. But it's like, how can you have that 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 opinion or that perspective to your son's mom? So the first thing I had to do, man, I had to accept my role. In the situation. I had to accept it was me who chose to have unprotected sex. I had to accept it was me that chose not to be with her. I had to accept that, which allowed me to give her grace. Right. So I remember my brother-in-law, he came to me. He was like, bro, you're you're the man in the situation, right? You you chose to have sex with her. I'm like, yeah, but 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 he was like, OK, now imagine if. You chose to be with her or married to her. Would you have these feelings uh, or would she be acting the way she's acting? And I was like, no. He's like, OK, well, you're you're the common denominator. You change the common denominator. You change the outcome of the problem. I was like, bro, that's bars. You change the denominator. You change the outcome of the problem. And if you're the common denominator, then you're the one who needs to change first. And so this is where the Holy Spirit came because I was still dealing with unforgiveness, but I had to look at it from her perspective. What is her perspective? She's having a baby by a man she's in love with that doesn't want to be with her. That's real. I love this man. I'm having his baby. He don't want to be with me. How, 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 do I, how should I expect her to feel? You you got the exact representation of what doesn't want to be with you growing in your belly for nine months. You 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 got the exact representation of what you love, but doesn't want to be with you growing in your belly for nine months. Every time you feel the baby kick. Is she receiving it, that as a kick of rejection? Every time that baby moves, is she seeing, is she, it, does, it, does it give her a glimpse of how we used to move and my feeling on her? How is she receiving that? Right? So, so this, this, this is how the Holy Spirit dealt with me. This is how he dealt with me. And it, it, it was hard because sometimes you, you, you can fall in love with your hate 
But when you, you can fall in love with your with your with your unforgiveness, you can fall in love with that. So when he begins to challenge you on this perspective, you, it's hard to come out in love, out in love with that. I, you, I had to be honest. I was liking the way I was feeling when I was not liking her. It was making me feel good. I began to find counsel in that thing, man. I began to find counsel because it was it was it. Again, so when your insecurities are playing, it was it was making me not face my insecurities because I was able to hate her. But it was my fault. Right. So and this 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 is this is how God deals with things, man. He, he he'll he'll deal with your immaturity. He'll deal with your little boy that's causing a muck in your life. He'll deal with your daddy issues. He'll deal with all your mama issues. He'll deal with all the issues all on this one situation. And that's what he was doing. And this is why it was so hard because I was, and then I was beginning to be upset with God. But this is what God told me. He was like, okay, that's good. The hate is on me now. Now forgive her and then deal with me. Let's, this, this is how awesome, um, how God, well, this is how he deals with me. I don't know about anybody else, but this is how he deals with me. <laughs> As we told him, he was like, okay, you hate me now. Forgive her and then come back to hating me. Because God was like, I can, I can take it. I can, I can deal with your rejection. But right now, this woman that is having your baby doesn't need it because she didn't ask for you to get her pregnant. Right. So I, I got I had, I had to be real with myself. Right. I had to be real with myself. So. So uh, now I'm going to get back to this because this is going to stay for a little bit and to stay on forgiveness for a little bit. Uh, but the exercise for men is to write a list of all the areas of unforgiveness. And you have to flush that thing out completely. Like you become a writer. Write that thing. If you had a voice record through tears, through anger, write that thing out. Be completely honest. But after you do all that, after you've cussed her out in those pages, says she's this, she's that, you know, you didn't deserve this, you didn't deserve all the hurt she put you through, blah, blah, blah. Accept responsibility for the situation. At, at, at the end of the day, I know we put a lot of pressure on women. In my case, I got her pregnant. I, I knew the repercussions of sex. I knew the repercussions of not having a uh, uh, wearing protection. I full well knew those repercussions. So as a man, I have to accept the responsibility. That to me, that is that is the first step of forgiveness. If you're in a rough situation uh, with your child's mother, you have to accept the responsibility and begin to see how your actions has caused her level of thinking. You know, I used to get upset. Um, I remember when we went to uh, mediation. One thing she said was, and she was still pregnant. She was like, I, I, I don't think he will be consistent to us. And that made me so mad. Like, my child's not even born yet. How am I not consistent to him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because it's, it's the motherly instinct. So, again, I had to become aware of where she's coming from, you know. And once I understood that, I was able to take a step back and accept what she was saying, right? And to be able to come at her from a understanding position. Hey, I accept the responsibility. I know you feel this way. Um, and so we can move forward because I, I understand. Right. Um, 
So whenever she does certain things, I, I understand. I understand. Now, I'm not saying be a pushover or walkover. Um, that is nowhere near what I'm saying. But at the same time, as a man, you have to accept responsibility for the situation. And once you do that, you can begin to make the, the choice of setting your heart to be open for forgiveness. Oh, and a part of this forgiveness um, you have to forgive yourself as well, too, because once you accept the responsibility, I, I again, I, I used to I used to be on myself every night. Like, bro, how you make this mistake at 30? How you make this mistake at 30? And so this is when the enemy comes in and begins to lead you down condemnation. So if you're not if you're careful, you have negative feelings, you have insecurity, you have condemnation, you have all these other things wrapped into one where you have this whole microcosm of mess going on and we talked about uh before understanding your child's needs because then it doesn't come about your child needs it comes about you um then pride sets in then a whole bunch of other things sets in if you don't check these things at the door right so once you set your heart to be open for forgiveness now one of the things about forgiveness does not mean again you should be a doormat like you got to forgive her for you you got to forget the situation for yourself, for your health, for your being, for your for your peace. And if this is still hard to do, because it's very hard to do, um, I had to find counsel. Right. Seek counsel. Talk to a licensed therapist. Seek golly counsel. Write in your journal. Dwell in the past or plan for the future. Pray. Honestly, confess your feelings to God. That's what I had to do. I mean, that would be nice. Well, I was weeping, weeping. God, take this away. But it wasn't until I was able to pray different prayers. Once I started praying from a place of forgiveness, like first, Father, forgive me for being outside your will. Forgive me for knowing that protected, unprotected sex can lead to this. Forgive me for bringing a child, you know, into a place where I can't have full covenant and protection over him. Forget, forgive me. And now, Father, please help me forgive her because I take full responsibility. It wasn't no because a lot of times people say pray about it. We tell them to pray, but they end up praying these witchcraft prayers. And I was playing witchcraft prayers. Father, get her. She she making me feel. She keep me from my son. She doing this. She doing that. And the whole time I can just see God sitting back like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till you, till you ask for the right thing. I had to begin to say, Father, help, it, help soften my heart to my son's mother. Deal, deal with me right now. Help me be the example uh, of you to her to where she can see you in me. So those are the prayers I had to begin to pray. So if you're going to pray, you have to earnestly pray from the right place. And I don't I, I, I don't tell fathers to, to, to pray until they're ready to forgive. Because again, when I wasn't ready to forgive, I was I was praying day and night, but it was witchcraft prayers. It was witchcraft prayers. So the first thing I tell men who are in the situation, who are in other situations, is that you got to deal from this place from a place of forgiveness. You got to pray from a place of forgiveness. And once you're able to do that, you'll see dramatic change. My son's mom and our relationship is 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 night and day from the beginning. It's it's night and day from the beginning. Um, all because I chose to accept responsibilities. Um, and I even apologized to her. And I and I saw it, bro. This is what I was led to do. I was led to sincerely apologize um, to her. You know, and one thing that says like, hey. You know, I'm sorry for um, putting you through this without me. Basically, I knew you were in love. 
I knew you were in love. I knew I know you wanted to have a family. So I apologize for violating your wishes for what you wanted. You know, I take full responsibility. I take responsibility for having you birth my child outside of a loving relationship. I I, I, I take full responsibility for ba- making you a baby mama. Once you're able to do that, man, things begin to change. Her, I, I saw I literally saw the hearts. I mean, the stones begin to be taken out of heart that she had against me. And like I say, we're able to laugh. We're able to talk. When I look at her, I can I can look at her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're on the same page. My son can't manipulate us because that's what happens too when you when you have unforgiveness there and you're you're on aught with your with your other one. Kids are very smart. They will manipulate both sides of that fence. You know what I'm saying? So my son he'd be confused. He'd be like, how my daddy know I did that? Then your mama talk, bro. We 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 communicate. We're, we're we're in lockstep. Oh, you was in punishment over there, and you it's my t- parenting time. Guess what? You finish out your punishment over here too. You know, so we're we're in lockstep. But it all happened from a place of forgiveness. Um, so that's that's a a very foundational thing um, is is forgiveness. Any questions there? We're just on forgiveness in general. Definitely dive into that. Cause you know that's yes, ma'am. Um, so when you were talking about Yep, because um, I start to recognize that sometimes, like we we would argue in front of, we had to stop that. We had to stop arguing. Well, I I first stopped arguing in front of him. Um, I remember one of our first arguments when my son was about three years old, and uh, because I was I was hurting, I was unforgiving, I was nasty. She said some things that hurt me, and I was like, Gee, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. My I know my tongue is hot, and I said some things that hurt. My son looked at her and looked at me like. He didn't know what was going on, but I know he felt the energy and he I, I, I saw he began to take it on himself like they arguing because of me. Right. And so now that he's older, um, you know, I, I always reinforce him like, you know, uh, son, your mom and I love you. You know, um, this everything we, I, I talked to him, honestly, like plainly, what we went through is not because of you. It's just two adults learning how to live in this world. So I have very honest conversations with him about that. You know, because he was even confused, like, uh, like him, like the transition. So when things transition, like, you know, why am I, why do I have to do this now when I never did that? Or why do I have to do things over here that wasn't over there? And I began talking to him, like, you know, you know, son, your mom and I are aligning on certain things because we want what's best for you. So it wasn't really like forgiveness. It was more empowering him to let him know that he's valued, he's loved. Um, you know, that we're both doing the best to take care of him because we both love him. So it was really approaching it in that regard, because I think unforgiveness, when you have it there and there's arguments, the self-esteem of that child can be be hurt drastically. So even when we started adding like affirmations we do at night, I said, hey, I let her know, hey, these are affirmations I'm doing. You know, what affirmations are you doing so I can add them to the list so he could begin to see, oh, my, my mom does that. My dad's doing it too. Okay. So they're both, you know, pouring into me, you know, in that regard on the same level. Um, so um, great question. That's that's how we, we approached it was to make sure that we uh, are in agreement of how we want to empower him. If he's seeing certain things, like I noticed right now or previously starting to open up to me more, he would have deeper conversations with her than he was having with me. 
So I even had to change my approach to be softer so that he can have conversations with me. I mean, now he's getting older, I'm back to, oh, disciplined father, you know, because he's about to be 12 pretty soon, right? Um, but, you know, uh, just just being aware of his emotions and that goes into communication down below um, to make sure that we're communicating on the proper level to make sure that we're giving him everything that he needs for his his self-esteem. You know, it's very, very important. Um, I answer your question or somewhere around the general vicinity. <laughs> Any other questions? I know forgiveness is um, forgiveness is tough, man. Um, it's a. And I look at forgiveness as it's it's like you did it, you're doing it, and you still will do it. It's a continual it's a continual process in certain situations. Um, you know, for what I the thing about forgiveness it teaches you vulnerability as well too. Um, I had to learn to be vulnerable with my son's mom in certain situations, uh, and when you're vulnerable. You know, there is an opportunity to get hurt, but there's still growth. Vulnerability allows for growth. So we have to be vulnerable to certain situations um, and recognize that we're human, man. You have to allow grace. Uh, everything I'm talking about today um, stems from from grace. Grace is the principal thing. Um, you have to recognize you're dealing with people who, if you, especially if you don't know their background, who may have been hurt, who may have their own insecurities, their own preconceived ideas and notions. But as a believer, as a believer, talking to believers now, as a believer, you have to allow for that level of grace in any situation, even not just this, in any situation, you have to allow for grace and you have to allow grace to lead. You have to allow grace and the Holy Spirit to be your rolling mates and lead and let them lead from that perspective. Okay. Uh, so next point, man, you 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 gotta know your rights and laws. Right? You 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 gotta know your rights and laws. So the question is to begin with is how well do you know your state's co-parenting laws? Do you know have access to adequate representation if it comes to that? Now I, I know I, I, so I, I had to be honest with this part because they want to paint a picture like once you forgive everything is rosy. It's not rosy. It's it may the enemy may even try you tougher, right? It's interesting. <laughs> it's like forgiveness without being trial. It's like what is it like? <laughs> Your forgiveness is gonna be tried, man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's gonna be tried. That's why I say it's a, it's a continual thing, all right? Um, so as a father, you 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 have to be there for your child, right? And so an example, one of the ways my son's mom hurt me, we we had established kind of some parenting co uh, uh, parenting guidelines. Well, first back up, the parenting guidelines are trash, right? Especially if you're a good father, honestly, they're, they're trash. And this is what I didn't know. Uh, I went into this this meeting with the mediation. I got blindsided, and I was I was upset. I was highly upset, very very upset, because the parenting guidelines in the beginning, when the child is born from zero to two years old, they give you hours, not 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 days. You get hours. How are you going to be a good parent in hours? That means I get my. And if you're working, you can't get that child to five when you get off, and you have to have them back by eight o'clock. What am I going to do in three hours? Right. So I got blindsided by that. Right. Um, now, granted, thankfully that I had precedent of overnights before we went to mediation, which because I had precedent of overnights, they have to give you that. Right. What if I knew that before? Maybe I would have set a better precedent. I need multiple overnights before we go into mediation. Right. Um, 
So take take some time to understand these parenting um, guidelines because it, it'll help you when you go into situations to have peace. You, you know what the possible outcomes and you can accept those things. Then you'll know if you need to have representation or not. Um, you know, so again, uh, going into mediation, I didn't know anything. Even going into court for child support, right? Fellas, pay child support, all right? Pay, 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 pay child support. <laughs> put, put yourself on papers too, all right? Put yourself on papers, right? Um, because, and, and you have to know your situation um, as well, because if you don't put yourself on papers and you've paid all this child support, you make it, you can have good records, adequate records. Let's say, for instance, five years down the line, you've been paying your money every month on the dime, but she wants to come to mediation, says she never received one red cent. Guess what? They will backdate you no matter how good your records have been. They will backdate you and then they will garnish your wages to make up the back pay. So put yourself on papers. Know your parenting guidelines, right? So the exercise is go to your state's website, read through the parenting guideline laws, familiarize yourself with the procedures in the process, consult a family attorney, make sure, and this is not saying you're doing it in malice, but you're educating yourself for whatever situation comes because you don't want anything to interrupt your parenting ability to that child, to that son or uh, the boy or girl. You wanna make sure you have that ability, okay? So know your rights and laws um, because you're going to find that some of the laws are skewed against you. Right. And, and again, we can get into the, the philosophical conversation of why the laws are against fathers um, and, and Indiana. The laws are against black fathers. Like. The, the stats on the laws on black fathers are very, very damaging and very, very alarming. And the interesting thing is really like your laws, too, because you could be a willing father. It's funny because the laws don't affect deadbeat fathers that much. They affect fathers who want to be present in their life. This is why back to the beginning, you know, you. <laughs> this situation, having a child out of wedlock has even. Stepped up my ability in assessing. The, the mate I want. Right, because. Casual sex will lead you to having a mate or somebody you're bringing a, a child into the world with that will jack your whole life up. I, 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 I have friends who their, their child's moms are very vindictive. They're, 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 they're evil, flat out evil. Will miss parenting guidelines, will, will make up lies and this. And these are fathers who want to be in their child's life. So, you know, that's caused me to sit back and really begin to ponder better questions in the mate that I'm choosing. You know, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm a little bit off topic, but it, it goes beyond, it goes beyond just the external. You begin to now want to ask questions and you ask those questions earlier than later. You ask those questions before you get physical. You ask, you know, how, how do you view raising children? How do you view managing arguments about children? How, 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 who is your counsel like? Who do you go talk to when you have problems? What is their perspective? Are they married? Are they single? You know, what are your girlfriends like? Let me see what your friends are like. How do they view men? When was their life? Like, so you begin to get to these deeper perspectives, these deeper conversations to really get to the, the proper things that we need to get to to say, OK, this is a suitable mate. Uh, because too often, for me, too often, 
you know, it was too late. You're invested. You know, I'm invested. Right? I have a baby. I, that's an investment I can't get back. That's an investment that's costing me every day, every month. Right? Like I pay for that every every month. You know, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> the wages, my wages. <laughs> Boy, the wages. I, t I tell you, the wages, man. I can testify to the wages, okay? Um, it kills me every month when I look at my check. I tell you that. Uh, so basically, when you uh, part of the knowing your rights and knowing your laws is uh, so you're prepared, right? You prepare. You won't be blindsided. Because uh, when I was blindsided, that added to my resentment of her uh, because of my, my unpreparedness, you know? Um, when I walk into that courtroom, when that, that verdict came down, I didn't have any representation, and because I didn't know the, I didn't know the law, it it went went against how I felt, and I already felt negative, so it added another layer of rejection and insecurity and hatred towards her. You know, like I say, thankful for the Holy Spirit um, because I was able to get my myself out. But you know, for men who are going through a situation or um, you know, in the situation, know your law. It'll help a lot. Know your rights. Um, you have to know your rights and be able to uh, speak to your rights and move according to your rights and hold hold your significant the other person the other hold the other person according to those rights. Okay. Um, and this this one the last one uh, is going to get into some open dialogue uh, is consistency. Men, how consistent are you? Before you agree to a schedule, are you sure you're able to maintain that schedule? Right. Um, this is one of the biggest issues that um, single mothers have on their fathers is the level of consistency. Right. And this this level of consistency caused a level of growth in me because I had to be mature. Right. Um, I used to get upset that I couldn't do certain things on the weekends because I had my son. Or I felt I was missing out, but I knew I had to begin to be consistent. Um, and again, this is one of the biggest issues that that single mothers have is inconsistent, un, un, inconsistent fathers. You know, they're not paying the child support on time. They're not picking the child up when they said they're gonna pick the child up. Or it's always, can you, can we change the dates at the last minute? Uh, so one of the things that one of the exercise um, you need to do is get a calendar, preferably one with alerts. All right. Plug in all your child's key dates as you know them for as far as you know them. Set alerts for one month, one week, one day and one hour. There needs to be no excuse. Plug everything, plug everything, plug in everything. When new items arise, plug them into your calendar right away. Um, in the beginning, uh, I thought I was consistent, but there, there was some inconsistency in my life and it was causing her to hold on even tighter um, because I was still showing her that I was very immature to situation. Here she is, has to be consistent every day raising my child. And when it's my time to be consistent, I'm rejecting. So I'm interrupting her life. I'm interrupting her ability to find peace. Uh, I'm interrupting just her psyche. I'm interrupting her thoughts towards me. Um, if you're inconsistent, your child's mother will not be able to forgive you. She won't be able to have better thoughts towards you. She won't even be able to make decisions with you in mind because your inconsistency says that I need to make better decisions, making decisions for my child. And part of that may be to keep the child away from you. 
right? So we have to make sure that we're consistent. Um, and these were plenty of exam. I mean, plenty of uh, arguments um, that my son's mom and I, I had um, in the beginning was my level of consistency. Uh, so I had to step it up. So that's exactly what I did. I, I got my calendar and my phone. You look at my phone. Um, I have a calendar and a color scheme specifically geared towards my son. And I plug in all his dates. Um, I, have, I have all his dates in here until he's 18. Because after that, I'm done. Uh, I say that jokingly, but <laughs> just 18 because that's my mark of child support. I'm like, okay, my financial responsibilities is going to be done when he's 18. Yes, Lord. Uh, it's not done, but just, just how I help myself um, keep my peace. Um, uh, we do change now. We do change dates. But because we have a level of consistency, we're able to talk about those things. So um, she wants to change some dates this past weekend. So when we were talking about that on the phone, I said, hold up just so I know. So I made sure I changed those in my phone right away so I won't forget because she's caught me a couple of times in, in the past um, to where like, hey, uh, you know, tomorrow you're supposed to pick up Jacoby, right? And I was like, no. Well, here's the text receipt when we talked about it. And I was like, ah, well, I can't do it. So guess who has to do it? She has to do it or figure out a way to do it because I, I can't, right? Or I couldn't, if you will, right? So you have to be consistent because it goes a long way, um, especially if you're saying, hey, Jacoby, your dad is picking you up. If she shows up, oh, my dad's picking me up. What's that conversation like? And how is your son going to look at you because he's learning inconsistency from his father? So then now, if you try to argue with him about consistency or discipline, he's going to look at you like, man, when are you supposed to pick me up? Your argument chips are gone. You know, you can only use that. I'm an adult. Do what I say. is not that I do for so long. But if he's your child, especially if he's your son, he's going to look at you like, bro, I'm learning from you. <laughs> right. So be careful um, in those regards. So those are key things that I, I really want to hit on today uh, in the beginning. Um, and I want to talk about just some of the, the, the parent. I'm not done yet, just yet. Uh, I'll talk about some of the parenting things. But those are some of the things that I think, you know, if if. Uh, single fathers would just address some of these things, their perspective, um, writing down their child's needs, um, getting to the root of unforgiveness, knowing their rights and laws, being consistent and communication, um, that will help greatly in their ability to be a positive and a uh, successful parent. Uh, the last part I wanna talk about is that uh, that child grows and he changes. One of the one of the things that I saw early. Sorry, I got my notes. One of the things I saw early is the differences in two households. Right. Um, and when I talked about, you know, accepting responsibility, you know, you have to accept responsibility of your child co coming from a dominant household. And I mean, dominant as he spends the most time there to a household where he's spending a, a small amount of time. So. Understanding that your role is important, you have to allow grace for that child. So in the beginning, I used to get so upset when Jacoby would come to my house and do certain things that I was I was foreign to. And I used, I used to snap right away. Like, so, for instance, he's a, he was allowed to go in her refrigerator whenever he want, drink whatever he want, whenever, however he want. I don't like that in my house. Right. But he would come do it and I would snap immediately. I had to begin to see I'm doing him a disservice because he's over here the majority of the time. And if I haven't addressed that with her about some of the things I would like to see, 
that could become an issue. And that will also cause that child to not want to spend time with you. Um, she would tell me that sometimes my son would say he doesn't want to come over my house. Now, thankfully, I had a son. I had a, a, his, his mother was like, well, he's still coming over your house because I need my free time as well. Right. <laughs> so she was like, that ain't going to fly. Uh, luckily, she said, so I can be able to fix it. So I was able to address some of those things. Now, there may be some people out here where the son's mom was like, well, my child's not coming over your house because he's not comfortable there. So to prevent some of those arguments as a as a man raising that child in your household, you have to allow for a, a few days of grace or a few hours of grace to allow that child to begin to come under your submission to the rules of that house. Because remember, they're ingrained under submission of a whole different set of rules. So a child is trying to learn how to be a child, how to learn how to be a child over here, and how to learn how to be a child over here. There's going to be conflict within that. So you have to allow that child grace. That, that's one of the biggest thing as a man, especially if you have the least amount of parenting time, is to allow him from grace and then have positive and you may have to study on these things because me growing up it wasn't no compassion it's do what i say or get whooped right whooping may not be the first option you have because you have to now indoctrinate or get that child to understand the mission. so what i had to do i had to begin to explain to my son a lot hey we don't do this in this household because of x y and z Tell me how you feel. How do you feel about that? I know you do things at your mom's house this way, but over here, son, I need you to do it this way. And not just this way because I'm telling you, but again, because of this point, that point, this point, that point, this point, that point. I have to over communicate and allow the time for him to accept that information and for him to digest that information. Some parents may have like, I'm going to warn you once. I'm going to warn you twice. Third time, I'm kicking your butt. But you may have to warn once. You may have to warn twice. You may have to learn three, warn three times. You may have to warn 10 times because, again, you're giving grace, right? The next point you can do, uh, what I recommend doing, is talk to, especially if you have a boy, right? When you have a girl, it's different because she's learning from her mother. But uh, one thing I began to see that my son was doing when he began to like express his his masculinity, there wasn't a man to rein some of those things in. So I had to begin to talk to her about certain things that I was seeing. Like, hey, let me know if Jacoby talks to you a certain way because I want to begin having these conversations. Right. And so what I had to begin to do was to as I saw my son growing to begin to put guardrails or begin to thoughtfully put those guardrails. Hey. Jay, you don't talk to your mom this way. And again, I have to go and further explain why. And I have to tell my, hey, things you do with me and things you don't do with me, that needs to be the same thing that happens over here. Now, I know she lets you do what you want to do, but you have to begin to see it through my eyes because I'm your father. So I went through a whole conversation of understanding the role of a father. Again, over explaining, you know, our parents didn't explain nothing to us. Is you do what I say or you're going to regret but again, I'm operating in a level of grace. That's that's what I'm really trying to get at. If you're the parent, the father with the least amount of parenting time, you have to parent with a, a high measure of grace for that child or those children. You have to parent with a, a full measure of grace because they're coming from an environment that's drastically different than yours. You have to begin. And it's tough and it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to see it from my son's perspective.
you know, and you have to spend a lot of time asking them questions. Like, again, how do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? Help me understand where you're at with this, Jacoby. You know, you have to begin to do that. Um, and, and like I say, you'll once the child gets older, like I said, my, my son's mom is begging me to get him more. So, again, I'm making you know changes in my life to begin to um, be able to have him more. I'm going to stop there. Any questions, any perspectives, thoughts, challenges? What was the time? Am I supposed to keep going or stop? Okay, because I got more, but you know, I don't want to be a situation. So, I do want to address the interview. Yes. So, when you were talking about when you all was going through the divorce and like when you had to have a did at any point that you feel like the insecurities that you were having being transferred into him while he was in the womb? And did you feel like you needed to break that? Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't um, because of how I was feeling, I didn't spend a lot of time with her while she was pregnant. Um, now, towards the end, I had to spend time with her because she fell, she fell in, the, in the tub. So I had to spend, you know, a lot of weeks over there um, just to make sure she was okay. Uh, but in the beginning, because I, I couldn't stand and look at her. You know, I, I was literally resent, I was, I was resenting her heavily because she was carrying my child. That wasn't the, the, the vessel that I thought should be carrying my child at that time. Um, so yeah, like, you know, you see on the, 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 uh, the, those good shows with the fathers there, listen to the baby kick. Oh, I felt them kick today. No, nah, I didn't want none of that. Um, so that was in, in the, in the environment. I'm pretty sure my, you know, kids in the, in the womb are, you know, receptive to everything. You know, there's even some science that are saying they can see outside the womb, right? Because of the, the vibration, they're vibrational beings. So the sound waves, they can actually see what's going on outside. So I'm, I'm sure that those things were part of my prayer too, you know? Um, and I, I'm thankful that my son, I can see that he loves his mom because he could have came out hating her, right? And want to be with him more. But I'm so, I, I'm, I'm very, when I talk to him, I don't, I don't talk uh, negative about, about her to him. Um, even if I'm upset, I always tell him, man, love the women in your life. Um, when I hear he's you know, being disrespectful, we always talk about, Jay, you have to be respectful as a young man to the women in your life. I don't I don't allow that. I don't I don't take that. So, you know, I had to make sure I over communicate, communicated about his place as a young man and his responsibilities as a young man. So um, and that's what we're going through now is just his role as a young man, because we're changing. Right. So one of his things he said to me was that I want you not to make a baby anymore. I was like, okay, son. So what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you want me to treat you? Right? Don't treat me like X. Okay, I can do that. But that means your response needs to be this. Do you understand the dynamics of that? And because you want me to treat you this way and you're supposed to this, that means the consequences go up now, son. Are you sure you want me to be a young man? Because I, I can do it, but just know the consequences go up. And that's and and what I began to do is to be able to tell her, like, hey, I bring him in the room. Like, hey, this is the conversation me and Jacoby had. He wants me to treat him like this. I told him his responsibilities is this. And, and now one one thing too um that the men have to understand is that. Because you're not married, you you can't police that other house. One of the things you have you, you have to be careful falling into 
is being the policeman of that house. You can help, but I had to, I had to stop telling my son's mom when he did some, come over here and get your son. Nope, can't do that no more. Because my son started to view me as only the disciplinarian. You know, it's like, hey, he's over there. You allow these rules. Now, this is the rules at my house. Do you want to match those rules? Because if the rules are matched now, when I parent him here based on those rules, he can now date. Okay, that's the same rule my mom had. So now I understand from my dad why that rule is in place, right? Uh, but back to what I was saying. So went to his mom and we began to discuss these items in front of him. Now he understood, you know, so I'm trying to I'm trying to build the character, build the discipline, build the secureness and his identity. That's why I give him space to come and talk to me about anything. Hey, what, what's going on? I have to tell him, hey, look, this is this is a, a no butt kicking environment right now. How do you feel about anything? You, know, you for real? No, no. I, I want to understand. <laughs> so we can now deal with that. Uh, and sometimes. So when these, some of these things come out, I have to say, OK, son, let me get back to you now. And I would say that to God, because sometimes I may not be equipped. Uh, I may have to go talk to counsel. Uh, I talk to Mario about a lot of things, talk to my boy Cedric about a lot of things, talk to my, uh, my other brother-in-law, uh, Jathan, about a lot of things. S men who are more seasoned, like, OK, how do you handle these situations? This is my thought process. Am I, am I in the right vein or not? Um, and then be able to build that young man that way, man. So that's a part of. Uh, parenting outside of uh, wedlock as well, too, is uh, you have to have wise counsel, people who've done it. Um, you need some friends who are going to validate your, your how you feel in the moment, and you need some friends who's going to check you. I think all both those are part of wise counsel that you need. Hope I answered your question. Sure, please. So what, are, what is your take on advising um, single dads and how to help them Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, if if you're healed and you're not insecure, you can't you can't fall down to that plane. No matter no matter what she says or what happens, you have to remain the adult. The adult. You have to keep the main thing the main thing because everybody's life is their their journey, right? I, I, no matter how bad I want it, or even for her, no matter how bad she wanted me to be mature, it's still my journey to, to get to maturity. Um, so first thing is don't let her pull you there. And then you, as the, the mature one or the, the, the secure one, you have to keep the child's needs top priority. And that's what I had to begin to do, even just other situations, begin to do. It's like, okay, she's, she's making me mad, but... I need to keep it the main thing. And I had to always bring the conversation back up. If the conversation began to fall down or you didn't, da da da, or whatever, based on our insecure perspectives, I always had to bring the conversation back up. Okay, I hear you. I understand. But what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about Jacoby's schooling? What are we going to do about his clothing? You, know, you have to always bring it up um, to that perspective. And then you have to sincerely you have to sincerely pray. If we believe prayer works, you have to sincerely pray for that person's heart. You have to begin to pray for their mind, um, you know, and ultimately, if, if it still doesn't go right, you have to make sure you know the laws, because sometimes it's, it's, it's we have to be honest. You may have to take that person to court. 
you know, if the situation is too tense to where a lot of situations are popping up where the drop off is, is sometimes that's where a lot of stuff happens during the drop off and the pickup. You may have to say, OK, then we need to drop off at the police station or drop them off at my mom's house at 530. I'll be there at six to pick them up. You may have to dis, dis, you may have to stop that engagement. That is that's honest and that's real. Um, but for the for the if you can't for the first two points, I would say um, is to. Remain secure and you are and keep it at the level of the child. Right. And never talk ill to that child about the other parent. That's one of the key ways, because children are aware. And even once they grow up uh, and they receive their full deliverance, they will always be able to say, man, my dad never talked bad about my mom. And usually it gets revealed later on down the line, like, man, my mom was wrong. Or my dad was wrong, but they never talked about the other parents. So like. Jacoby will never, you will never hear Jacoby say, my dad talks ill about my mom, you know? Um, so that's why I would say, dude, be, you have to be honest with the situation. Sometimes, like I say, you have to, you have to go to court. Any other questions? So for men who were in Mm-hmm. pretty much going to be a very similar process, very similar process, uh, especially the forgiveness part. There's going to have to be a lot of forgiveness uh, and it's going to have to be open dialogue, open communication amongst all parties. Now, hopefully, the, hopefully the divorce is amicable. Uh, but even if you're if you're on the like, so if you're on the, the fence, or if you're on the if you're going through divorce, right, the whole thing is assess your, assess your perspectives when it's related to the, when it's related to the children. Why am I talking today? <laughs> when it's related to the children, right? And we're talking about folks on the children. Um, and then what is your child's needs outside of the house when you're not at, when you're not in the house? What is their needs? How do I keep their needs the main thing, right? And then how do I forgive, right? And that's going to be another aspect. How do, I, how do I help my children to forgive, right? I got to forgive myself. I got to forgive my wife if she's the, the, the issue or, um, you know, forget the situation that's causing us to, to, to divorce. Um, and then you may, like I say, and counseling was in one of them, you may have to go to counseling to help all parties heal because the boundaries were set in there. Now I'm, I'm tearing that apart. I have to even help my children to forgive me, forgive my wife, my wife, forgive them. You know, just, so it's, it's, a, it's a big uh, microcosm of issues, but it's pretty much going to be the same process. You got to know your laws as well. What's my laws as a divorced husband? What is my rights? Like I said, hopefully you can end those amicably, but a lot of times they're, they're not. So it's the same type of process. Any questions? What else? All right. All right. All right. All right. So y'all know I have right, some, all right, all right. some stuff to talk about here. <laughs> um. Thank you. That was really, really good, um, especially from a, a single dad's perspective. And um, for those of who, for those of you who are listening who may not be a single parent or a single dad, you're probably like, "What can I get out of this?" There were a whole bunch of nuggets in this piece that we can apply to our lives. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me was the negative, neutral, positive. 
So as we're dealing with relationships in our lives, we can write down our negative thoughts, transpose them into our neutral thoughts, and convert them to positive thoughts. Um, and I would challenge us to even make that list um, as it relates to our personal lives or, or, or relationships and things that we may be dealing with. Um, I told the Lord, whatever I open my Bible to the day, that's what I was going to read at the end. And he took me to Psalm 51. And this Psalm indicates David's repentance for committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband Uriah killed. Um, and as we talk about forgiveness and uh, mistakes and things that we made, this is what um, the Lord took me to. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from my, from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice. I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then would you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Bulls will be offered on your altar. And today, as we begin to wrap up and close, I want you to think about the bull. That is on the altar of your heart. What 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 is it that you're holding on to? What is it that is calling causing you to not have a clean heart?
any thoughts about the scripture that I just read? Um, I just wanted to say the part that really got to me was the sacrifices of God, the acceptable sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. That's one thing that as a human being or a man, woman, it is so difficult to do, to offer that up. I get that now. <laughs> I get that now. Anybody else? Yeah, for, for me, it's the uh, the ability to teach transgressors, right? So um, we talk about the will of God a lot, you know. Um, you know, the, the ultimate will of God is to bring people back into repentance, back into right standing, right? So, um, and it's about, you know, we, we talk a lot. It's about getting wisdom. So when you go through certain situations, it's about getting wisdom to be able to teach those who are going through situations and also for prevention, you know, um, you know, so when I, when I share my situations with young men, I'm sharing my wisdom from a place of prevention. Hey, you don't have to go through this. I pay this much in child support. Do you want to pay that willingly out of wedlock? And you don't have any say so how that money's been used? No? Well, okay. You either need to wrap it up or don't have sex. So I'm, I, I'm trying to help future transgressors not be transgressors and ones who are to be able to navigate these things differently um, so that we can evolve and so that we can get wisdom um, with all that getting. Um, I just wanted to say too with that, I think sometimes, I mean, in, in pulling in the truth and everything that you said and the, out, the outline that you gave, I do not have sons, um, but I use the principle, the outline you gave. Mm -hmm. And I can see certain things in my life that I can apply them to. And I said, I'm going to start writing them down <laughs> and doing them. But, you know, I don't think that we understand how much we are um, affected and molded and shaped by our cultures until we're being pulled out of it. You know, strength. And I mean, personally, I, I mean, I know a lot of people do love. I love action movies. You know, kick butt. I'm on the top. I'm tearing down things. I'm, I'm doing it. And I'm at a place where I feel like I need to sustain. That's it. Uh-uh. And I mean, what do you mean? Uh-uh. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. But he's like, no. It's completely opposite, totally different. And it's a place within humanity that can be difficult to release. But I understand now the necessity through the Holy Spirit because I can't do it on my own. That is needed, what's needed for him, you know, to get that from him. We have a saying that we're not human. Ah, <laughs> 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 hmm. leave that there. Boop. Any other thoughts on the scripture? I see this scripture differently because I never looked at David as a single father. I always thought about his affair, always thought about her husband that he had killed, but I never thought about who David was as a single father before it all. And it reads like an intercession prayer for his child um, to be able to teach him um, in repentance to ask for forgiveness for 
everything um, on the child's behalf. So I, I just appreciate that perspective, that new perspective. Yeah, so, so that, that, that stuff, I mean, like, we talk about, we think, you know, uh, baby mama, baby father drama is not in the word. It's all, it's, it's all through that thing, man. I mean, it's, it's all through that thing, right? It, it's, it's there. It's there. It's, and, and it's there for us to glean from as well. You know, like I say, my, my, my favorite one that I have to look to is the perspective of Abram. Like he had to, he had to send his son away. Uh, now, granted, God said that he was going to provide for Ishmael, but if we think about the issues we're having today, could it be that we're seeing Ishmael's not having his father in his life being played out? If you, we were talking about biblically and from a from a holistic, just biblical standpoint, you know, it, it seems like Ishmael is running amok because he feels like he's the promised child, right? And based on that culture and that standing, because he didn't have his father there to help him understand that God said that. Isaac is the promised child, right? So there's a whole situation there because a perspective wasn't given that was needed in early development. Um, children need the masculine and the female perspective. And because they're supposed to be, this world is a world of balance and it, we, we're missing balance when a father is not there, right? Um, so like, for instance, my son is going through certain things and um very emotional because his mother's emotional. So now I have to make sure I'm providing balance. Hey, we don't cry about this now. It's, it's okay to cry, son, but at a certain point, you shouldn't be crying about this. It's okay to express how you feel, son, but you don't express it through temper tantrums, right? So, you know, a lot. that's what the, really the Bible is getting that, that we need balance. And even situations like this, we, we need the balance. We need the balance of the female and the positive and, and uh, the feminine. Thirteen, verse thirteen is sticking out to me. Then I will teach. I got the new, uh, new international version. Uh, then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners won't will turn back to you. It's crazy, kind of looking at it when you read it from the up there, and now you look at it from a single father perspective. So now David, to me, David's kind of looking at it like, okay, I understand that I messed up. I understand that I did mm -hmm. wrong. Now I have this opportunity to show other single fathers what not to do. So now you get a new perspective of like, okay, this is what I did. This is how I messed up. I don't want you to go through this, but now I got to show you not to and how to not go through this. So 13 has really been kind of yelling yeah. at me. Like, cause it, it's, it's my will. Uh, it's my, it's my mind that my son, when he has children, that it's yeah. in marriage, Yeah, you know? So I even have to be, I have to be honest with my frailties with my son. Hey, you know, son, this is why it shouldn't have happened this way. This is some things, but I'm giving you everything I got because I want you to be a better man. I told me just, just yesterday, I'm like, son, I'm on you the way I'm on you because I want you to be a better man than me. Mm -hmm. I understand my frailties and my insecurities. I don't want you to have those. So what does that mean, too? So even even a part of that, even this helped me with the transgression. So from a part of from David, it's still a progressive thing as well, too. Um, because David says, still, my my sins and my treasures are before me, right? Which means that he has to still continually learn from those and grow from those throughout his ages, right? To affect his son, to affect Solomon, to affect Absalom, right? So all these things he's saying that it's before me, not saying that 
he's he's condemned by it, but that he's gaining wisdom from it every day because his son's going to evolve. Okay, how can I go back to this to evolve to make sure my son has the necessary wisdom to keep going, right? So that's what you know. It's even if it, it goes really deep in the, in that perspective. Yeah, and and that's you know kind of like what we like to teach everybody is to be honest, be vulnerable, be transparent. Uh, because I think even when I was reading it, you read David's transparency. You read his vulnerability. That's one thing I love about David. He he was jacked up in some ways. He was jacked up, but he always turned back to repentance. He always had a heart of repentance, and I think that is key. And even as we are teaching other transgressors, let's always remember that we cannot walk in condemnation. We cannot walk in fear. We cannot walk in shame. We have to learn from our mistakes, have a repentance heart, and teach those who are coming before us. Yeah, one of my one of my quotes I came up with the other day um, is, "It's time to make new and better mistakes." Hmm. <laughs> it's time. It's time to make new and better mistakes. I agree. So if I'm learning from my past ones, I have wisdom and wisdom should allow me to make new and better mistakes. Quote me on that. Don't 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 steal my stuff. I need I need credit. <laughs> I need, yeah, credit I need my stuff. That. Quote me on don't that. Steal my stuff. <laughs> One of the things um, I was talking to a mentor one time and I was sharing um, just kind of what I do and my testimony and everything. And he said, okay, what's your new testimony? I said, what? What is your new testimony? He said, you can't keep going back to that same testimony. He said, there should be some new testimonies in your life. There should be some new things that God has delivered you from. And that goes back to his quote about making new mistakes, new, new and better, new and better mistakes. Um, so we can't keep dwelling on this one thing that I've been delivered from. And he said to me, if you keep dwelling on that thing, that one thing that God has delivered you from, I question, are you truly delivered? Because there's something about going back to that story that you enjoy. There's something about going back there that you like to relive. Um, and it goes back to being in love with the pain, being in love with the hate, being in love with that moment. And even at a, a, a conference in October last year, a woman of God came up to me and she said, you're in this stream now, but God is opening up your stream to something way much bigger, larger than you can ever imagine. So you, you know, you can't stay just dealing with that one segment of people. He's called you to all and a mass of people. And so I'm like, oh, and then I went back to that moment. You can't keep 
rejoicing over this one testimony. There are other testimonies that are coming along the way. Yeah, to, 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 that, to that point, to, to uh, Mario, as, as greatly put, um, and, I, and it just hit me when, when, you, when, you th- when, I, when you were saying that, and it was like, how do I know that it's fully overcome what I don't have to keep back, come back to it? And again, I, I keep coming back to this. It's when you know you have the wisdom to help someone else get over it. That's it. Like when you, if you don't necessarily have the full wisdom to help someone get over it, then you may not necessarily yet be over it just yet. But when you have the full wisdom, like David, to be able to say, "I can help my transgressor, I can help other transgressors now in this area," then you, you you know you're you're over it, and you're not coming back to this place for a sense of fulfillment in my insecurities, for a sense of love, and ultimately a sense of comfort. Sometimes we come back to these these our old vomit. You know, in these places, because it's comfortable. It gives me comfort. You know, it makes me. I can feel, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better word, I feel something. And, you know, sometimes we live such dead lives that we only time we feel is on these negative perspectives. So uh, a good a good tip to know you fully overcome something to where you're not coming back to it for a place of comfort is when you have the wisdom from it and your wisdom helps somebody else to not come back to it. Everybody done with their questions? I, still, I feel the, the heat from the woman of God. <laughs> I feel the heat from the woman of God. I just have a question about now God as a single father and putting his son in the earth and that example, that intercession, that perspective of who we are as his children and the spirit that he birthed us with, how he works together to make sure that our spirit is highly spoken of and we never hear him speaking against his children, even when we rebel against him and take on the perspective of not being loved or abandonment or rejection or being orphaned into the world. He maintains his consistency and faithfulness in being our father. And that is why, that is why I am always advocating for men. A lot of people do not understand my passion, but I advocate for men to take their rightful place in society as well as in their family because of what you just said. God is our Heavenly Father. He is like our single dad. He created us. He's birthed us. He is our Heavenly Father. We don't call on Heavenly Mother. Heavenly Father who created us, all-knowing things, right? And so that is why it's very crucial for men to understand their rightful place. When you become a man, know your rightful place. And then when you begin to have children, know your role as a father and your role as a father in that family 
and in society because what I have noticed men will be a father in the household but but then be something totally different in society and that contradicts and then it it takes a toll on their mindset on their continents on who they are how they should be because i'm trying to live one way for society right the street mentality but then in my house i gotta be this way now we have double mindedness or we have uh, confliction going on and so when a man do not know who they are and how to function that's when the enemy can come in and manipulate that's why we have so much manipulation going on now with news, with the media, um, with medical, from politics, because we have men who do not know their place in society or in their family. So now we have, you know, the non-believers want to come and create a different name for us women who have children, who bear children. You no longer be called a mother, but you can be called a bearer of children. Like they want to strip this away. Why? Because the voice of man is not heard and it's not authoritative in the earth. So what you just said is what God wants men to understand. That's why he created them first. He created man. He literally created man, but with women, he built us. So there's a difference. It's twofold. So when men understand they're created for this, to change, to have dominion, to implement, to make changes just with a word, with a word, a thought, then a word. When they understand that and go into place, nothing else, nothing can stop them. All right, any other questions? Thoughts? All right, so for everything that Brandon has shared, it was a whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, especially what my husband came back on. I love that analogy of the negative, neutral, and positive. And so what is ringing to me, especially when uh, my husband read Psalms 51, is that's going to be the altar. We have to begin to put that on the altar. Even if you're not a father or mother or whatnot, um, at this moment, the Lord is just speaking. This is individual. This is for you, individual. So we're not going to be looking at it as, oh, I'm a parent. No, individual as I am a servant. Or I am a child of God. How have we been looking at God? Through our circumstances in life, through everything we have been through, how have we been looking at him negative? Start processing in that negative. And then how can we transition our language? Because that's what Brandon was basically telling you. Your language got to change before your perspective can. So how we can change our language of God from negative to neutral and then to positive. And I'm even speaking to those who are non-believers who are listening to us. 
even though you may not believe in Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jireh, you may not, you have an issue. What is your issue? I want to challenge you on that. What is your issue? What is your negative issue with that? And then let's change it to a neutral. Even if it takes you a month, two months, what, however long you need to change your language, let's do it. Let's begin to work on it. But those who are here in the room, I know for a fact we need to start dealing with how do we view God, our creator, our daddy, Abba? How do we view him? the negative part because I can speak for me I used to hate him I was disappointed didn't understand I didn't want to talk to him like leave me alone checked out because that was my negative view of him because things wasn't working out how I expected them to be according to you read the word you worship you pray so things supposed to be working out in your favor we can quote scripture but are we willing to wait for the scripture to manifest when God says time? Because we will rush it, but we're not waiting. So we get disappointed. And oftentimes we feel rejected by God through his word. And it's not necessarily the people, it's through his word and his promises that has been made. We feel rejected because it has not align within a year within two years three years or five years so we feel rejected by his word not necessarily his character because we love his character we just rejected by his word so let's pause for a second and think of how do we feel negative towards god and then once you get that process start shifting to a neutral place but that positive language you're going to do on your own at home and I want you to release it. I'm going to play another song about the altar. And that's when I want you to just really take it serious and release it because that's where our mindset change. And a change is going to take place today. Language will change. The way we see. The way we hear. Our perspective on God will change. Then family will align. Business would align, ministry would align, our life would align when we change our perspective on God.